I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 15, if you'd turn with me this morning, and we'll take our text from there, from Luke chapter 15, and I want to talk to you about the story of the prodigal son, and there's a, there's a lot in this story, you, you all have read it, you, you know it uh, inside and out, and, and you all have been a part of it. Uh, Every time I read the story of the prodigal son, I, I, envision, I envision a backslider. That's what I envision. You may envision different things, but every time I read the story of the prodigal son, I envision a backslider coming back home to Jesus. No one likes to be called a backslider. I know that. I don't want anybody calling me a backslider. There's a lot of things I don't want nobody calling me. But uh, truth being is that when we turn our backs on Jesus, we become a backslider. And um, I've always said it like this, the prodigal son, even while he lived home, his heart was not at home. And you can sit in the confines of the church house and you can hear the preacher, you can hear the singing, and you can even be a member of a local assembly and still sit in God's house and be backslid on the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that I know somebody in the church that's backslid. I'm just saying that it's very possible that it can happen even right here in our church. Now, as I look over our congregation, I know we've got wonderful people, and I love every one of you, and you know that. But you can be backslid at heart and not be backslid sitting in the church. And a lot of people physically, I believe, are good people, and, and they've got very good intentions, and, and, they, and they, you know, they even talk a good talk. But if we're not careful, you know, Jesus even said that their hearts are far from me. With the mouth, they praise me. But he said their heart is very far from me. Now, I don't want to be negative. That's the last thing I want to do. But I believe that there is a relationship that we need to have, not just with words with God, but we need a spiritual relationship. And it needs to be genuine. It needs to be real. You know, it needs to be something that's built on truth and not on lies. Uh, Denny's talking about a marriage this morning. The worst marriage that you'll ever be a part of is one that's built on lies. And one that's built on, you know, uh, distrust. And, and so it is with our relationship with God. We need to build a relationship with God on, on truth. And it begins by being truthful with ourselves and being honest with ourselves. As we look at this story this morning of the prodigal son, there, there's a lot of things that we can focus on. Now today being Father's Day, I felt like that you know God was leading me to just to uh, envision and, and to look and grasp the love of this dear father as he no doubt is very heartbroken uh, how could you not be heartbroken his son has just 
rebelled against him and, and he's and he's struck out on his own and he's left home. But I want to look at a few things real quickly this morning about the story. In, in chapter 15 and verse number 11, if you'll stand with me, we'll read this together and then we'll have a word of prayer. And he said, a certain man had two sons. I can relate to that. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now, very important. I won't, I won't be lengthy. I'll let you sit down. But very important that you gather that it doesn't say that he divided unto him his living. It says unto them. Okay? So everybody got theirs. Both sons got their inheritance at the same time. So that tells me that we can make good choices and bad choices. Amen? We choose. You can't blame it on me that you've wasted your life. You chose to waste your life. You can't blame the church on your bad decisions. You made those decisions. So the Bible said that they both got their inheritance. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. So the writer tells us what this young man does with his inheritance. Now I want you to look and I want to move on. In verse number 20 it tells us that he arose. Now we, we turn our uh, attention from this son that has gone astray back to a father now that has arose, and a son that has arose and came to his father. And it says, but when he saw, or when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they begin to be merry. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful story. Thank you that we can come together today in, in one spirit, and we can receive from the precious word of God. And I just ask you now to anoint us and use us for your glory. And God, may we say the words that need to be said, nothing more and nothing less. And may we just be in complete obedience to you today. Thank you again for all of our dads that's here with us. And all of our men. And all of our congregation. Thank you 
for everyone who uh, has come today just to, to be a strength and to be a help to our church. Bless them. But Father, I pray most of all for one that may be here that might possibly, just possibly have drifted away and they're not where they need to be spiritually today. Help them to make the right choice. Help them to make the right decision. Oh God, it's so important that we do that. Father, I love you today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you again for this wonderful week of Bible school. And thank you for James and Kelly and for the great job that they've done directing our Bible school. And we just give you all the glory for all you're doing in our church and all the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. No doubt if we were to poll most of our congregation sitting in our churches, I believe that more than not, most people would say, Preacher, that is one of my favorite stories. The story of the prodigal son. You know why I believe that it's probably one of the most popular and most favorite stories of our people in our churches? is because all of us, have put ourselves in the place of this young man many times. And there may be somebody here today that may already be putting themselves in the place of this young man right here because we have all experienced times in our lives. I believe that the father, whenever he, he got the news from his son, you know, maybe, maybe it was uh, already... Uh, uh, being said that uh, uh, one of your sons is not happy. You know, maybe he had already gotten a report that one of his sons was maybe murmuring or complaining. Maybe the, the father had sat there several hours or several days and thought, well, I wonder what's wrong with my son. Why is he feeling like he's feeling? Why is he going through this? Why, why is he being troubled the way he's troubled you know, I feel like that our Heavenly Father is so in touch with us that, you know, He knows when we're dissatisfied. Uh, he, 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 he senses, or, or maybe not senses, but he, he is very much aware uh, of when we're unhappy, when, when we're not feeling intimate and we're not feeling close to Him. Let me say this, if, if Jordan or Brent and I'll just use them for an example because I know how I would feel. If Jordan or Brent would never maybe want to see me or didn't want anything to do with me, maybe they never called me or, uh, you know, just never sent a text to say, hey, Dad, how you doing, thinking about you. Maybe today they didn't say Happy Father's Day or I appreciate you and, Maybe they didn't want anything to do with me. You know what? That would bother me, wouldn't it you? Amen. It would bother me. I was talking to a man yesterday, a, 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 a pastor friend of mine, and, and he was telling me, he said, Ronnie, he said, my dad never had anything to do with me when I was growing up. He said, a couple of times along the way since I have become an adult, I've reached out to my dad and tried to rebuild a relationship with him that we never had when I was growing up. 
But he said, even now when we'll get together, he said, don't take me wrong. He said, I've got a good dad. He, he loves us as far as saying that he loves us. And, 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 you know, to him, he doesn't see that it's a big deal that he never was there when I was a kid. But he said, I've reached out to him. But even now, he said, even with our grandchildren, he's the same way. He doesn't want anything to do with them whatsoever other than just to say hello or how you doing. And then he goes about his own way and does his own thing. He said, for seven years, I never heard from my dad. Seven years. He said, I reached out to him and he never even replied or never even let me know that he was even alive. And I said, oh my goodness, wouldn't that be hurtful? Wouldn't that be painful to think that you could have a dad that didn't care any more about you than that? I mean, that would really hurt, wouldn't it? I mean, I think about Brent and Jordan. If, if, if they were that way toward me, that would really hurt me. If they were dissatisfied, if they, if they were, you know, troubled or they were hurt at me and didn't want to come around me, that would bother me. You know what I feel like this morning that God, I believe he feels the same hurt when we become distant from him, when, when we, you know, neglect to, to pray and we neglect to talk to him, we just neglect his house and we neglect his, his own family and, and we don't want to be around our own Christian brothers and sisters. I believe that that breaks the heart of God. I really do. And so here in this story, the father, maybe he hears rumor about his son, you know, not, not being happy. And then finally the day comes when, when the son comes to the father and says, you know, father, I, I just want to be on my own, you know. And I think there's some spiritual uh, thoughts we can get out of that. And, and here's kindly what I feel like that, that probably was going on at this time. This young man was wanting his independence. And I want to say something. Independence is good. You need to become independent. You, you need to learn how to take care of yourself. But let me say this. In the spirit world, you don't need to be independent from God. You need to trust in God. You need to lean on God. You need to believe that God is everything in your life. And you need to live your life like God is everything in your life. He should be, as Denny said this morning, he shouldn't be, uh, you know, second to anyone. He should be the very best in your life. And if he's not today, you need to reconsider things and and I believe in this story, this young man wanted to be independent. And independence is all right, but independence from God is wrong. And absence of God is wrong in our lives. And I can't really grasp that. I really can't. I have a hard time understanding that. And maybe it's because I have trusted God for so long. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've had this relationship with God for so long. But I can't imagine 
me saying that I'm a Christian. It just, it's hard for me to comprehend. I can't, I can't imagine me telling somebody that yes, I've been born again. Yes, I've been saved. But I don't want God in my life. Wouldn't that be something? And, 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 and here's one thing that probably, it, it probably wouldn't be said verbally. A lot of us wouldn't just outright just say I don't want God in my life. But we don't got time for God. Amen. And a lot of times we, we wouldn't say we don't have time for God. But if we look at our lives and begin to measure out the days and what we do with our days, it would probably be seen at the end of the day that God gets very little of our time. God is very seldom talked to. His word is rarely read in our lives. Listen, folks, in absence from God, God disappearing in our lives, you cannot be a successful man of God or woman of God if you don't have God in your life every day. I want to say this this morning. I'm sure it wasn't the father that wanted to get out of the son's life. It was the son wanting to get out of the father's life. And I don't know all the reasons why. I have no clue why the son got dissatisfied. But I can tell you this, a lot of times we don't want to be told what to do. We just well be honest. Most of the time we don't want direction. We, we, just, we, want, we think we know what's best for us. And that's where we make a terrible mistake. And it, and it happens not only just in life in general, but especially in our Christian walk with God. You cannot survive on your own. You have to have the help of God. If we are the sheep that we learn about in Bible school this week, if we are those sheep that belong to the fold of God, there's a reason why he calls us sheep is because we need a shepherd. Amen. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't protect ourselves. We can't lead ourselves beside still water. We can't make it to the green pastures. We have to have a shepherd. Amen. And so, if I, you know, if I just push God out of my life, and you say, preacher, how would I do that? You would do that by closing up your Bible and never reading it. That's how you would shut God out of your life. By not having you a family altar. If it's at your bedside or in the closet or wherever your altar's at, if it's driving down the road, I would encourage you to shut your eyes. But wherever your altar's at, you need to use it. Amen. You need to let God know that you're aware of His presence in your life. Talk to Him. So the absence of God is something we see that can be very, very fatal to a Christian's life. And then there's the thought of self-satisfaction or being able to please yourself. 
And I'm going to tell you something. This young man had all three of these things in his life. He wanted to be independent. He wanted to be independent from his father. And he wanted to satisfy himself. If he just wanted to leave, he could have left. But he thought that the only way he could make it was by getting his inheritance. And he thought, boy, if I could get my hands on that money, if I could just get what's coming to me, then I'd show everybody, hey, I can do this. I don't have to have the Father. Isn't that silly? He's wanting what his Father's going to give him to survive on anyway. And yet he thinks that he can make it on his own. And so we see this self satisfaction. I want to satisfy myself. I don't want somebody else satisfying me. I want to satisfy myself. And so the Bible says that the Father divided to them their living. And I said earlier, you have a younger son, you have an older son. I believe that the Father gave them both exactly the same amount. He split it 50-50. He did not say, well, because of the older, he's going to get more. Because the younger was a good kid, he'll get more. I believe he split it right down the middle. I'm going to tell you something. God don't love me no more than he loves you. Amen. God don't care no more about me than he cares about you. God's not going to give me any more than he will give you. And God will not give you any more than he'll give me. God loves us unconditionally. He loves us the very same this morning. You may sit there and say, well, I don't know why God lets this happen to me and somebody else seems like they never have no trouble. They never have no problems. Let me tell you something, folks. God is not sitting in heaven picking out who he can be mean to. God loves us. He cares very much about us. Bottom line is that both of these sons had a choice to make. They could do what they wanted to do with what they had. The only problem was the younger son let the world influence him. He let his own mind take him away from where he needed to be. He began to follow his flesh instead of obeying his father. And I'm going to tell you the first time you start trusting in your flesh, you're headed for trouble. You're headed for trouble. Your flesh will get you in trouble. Your flesh will have you doing things you never thought you would ever do. And it don't happen overnight. It happens little by little. Inch by inch. The devil will take your life. It comes with one little pill. One little drink, one little attitude, one little disobedient act, and it begins to build, and it begins to build. And before you know it, over time, the things that you used to hide that you were ashamed of, you're no longer ashamed of them. It becomes more common. It becomes more natural. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you're a child of God and sins become natural to you, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. 
You should never sin. I didn't say you won't sin. But you should never sin and not feel the hand of God's conviction. If you've been saved by God's grace, you ought to feel the hand of God's conviction. And I'd be worried if I was sitting here today and I could just outright, and this is serious now, church, because this is what sin can do. Like I said, because you sin don't mean you're lost. But if you can sin willfully and keep on sinning and doing that sin and not feel convicted by that sin, listen, you may have never been saved. And if you have been saved, that'll show you also the power of sin and how sin can callous you over and you can become even unaware to the sin you're doing. I tell you, and I'm not being critical, and I told the men out there at Bible school this week about an incident I had with a gentleman there at work. And I want to tell you something, folks. I don't, it's none of my business. It's none of my business, and I'll be the first to say it. It's none of my business what you do outside this church. That's your business. But I'm going to tell you something. Every word comes out of your mouth represents this church. Every act you do represents this church. I can't control what you do, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. Here lately, and it's just been probably in the past five years over there where I work at, and if there was somebody that works with me here today, they could either say he's telling the truth or they would just have to say, well, woe is me because I'm a part of it. I have never heard such vulgar mouths of people in all of my life. And it has gotten worse. And and I'm not going to get on soapbox and just preach on foul language. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. I heard one preacher say one time, he said, if, if you were given the choice to chew tobacco or to cuss, he said, which one would you do? And he said, well, I'd chew tobacco. He said, at least I'd get something out of it. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, folks. This nasty talk, this, and it may get quiet in here. I don't know. But this foul language and this nasty talk, I don't know where you came from, but where I came from, that shouldn't be in the house of God. That shouldn't be in the mouths of God's people. I hear this vulgarity. I hear this nastiness being talked and coming out of people's mouths. And it's just like it's just like it's normal. It's just normal. And you know what? They want me to get used to that. But I can't get used to that. It's wrong. It's it's awful. And there's no need in God's people talking like that. It becomes a habit. And I've told some of the men over there at work, and and I work with a a man that when I first started working with him, he, let me tell you, he was raw. He was. and, 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 And he would admit it. He'd say, preacher, you got a lot of work to do on me. He said, because I've got a bad habit of saying these bad words. And I'm not talking about just little words. I'm talking about nasty words, vulgar words. And don't need to say none of them because it just leads to more is all it does. It becomes a nasty habit. But anyway, to make a long story short, 
God is not pleased with these things. We're representing our churches. When we get out here, you know, we'll say, well, I don't believe in drinking now. They shouldn't nobody in church be drinking. And we'll say, well, we don't believe in adultery. Shouldn't nobody be out there committing adultery. But yet, we'll walk out of the church and the first time we get mad, we'll rattle off these nasty words. And we don't think nothing about it. But I'm going to tell you something. Sin still sin. And God's not pleased with that. He said that not no filthy communication come out of your mouth. We need to think on these things, Jesus said, or Paul said, you know. Think on good things, things of God. And so I believe that this self-independence, this, this absence of God in our lives, this self-satisfaction, and this young man who made the choice to do what he wanted to do with what he had all is a part of us gradually backsliding on God. I believe that uh, he wanted his boys to know something. I believe that he wanted them to learn humility. I do, you know, the father could have the father could have stepped in and said, "No, you know, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa." He he could have stepped in and said, "You know what?" Son, I ain't giving you nothing. That's what he could have said. He said, I ain't giving you nothing. And he could have, he could have helped that son to avoid that far country, couldn't he? But he didn't. He didn't. See, God don't jump into our lives and just stop us. God don't say, well, here's where you're headed, you know, so, so I'm going to stop it before it gets to... Maybe that, maybe in our minds, that's what God needs to do. But I'm going to tell you something. God's not going to, he's not going to change your direction against your will. He's going to let you do whatever you decide to do. But I'm going to tell you something. He can make it to where you regret the choice you made. He can make life hard on you. Remember David said that the hand of God was upon me. He pressed upon me. See, see, God brought such a, a power of conviction on David's life. David was so miserable. And by the way, if you're backslid on God and you're not miserable, there's something wrong with that. Something wrong with that. But here's where I want to go. And I'm going to come to a close because time's already gotten by. But there was humility. I believe the Father knew that by allowing him to go down this path, it would humble him. I'm going to tell you something today, folks. When you get self-sufficient, there's a humbling coming. Amen. And I'm going to tell you this. Don't never ask God to humble you. Bible said humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. When we strike out on our own as an independent person apart from God's will, going against God's will, going against the grain of God in our lives, let me 
tell you something. There will be things that will happen in your journey away from God that will humble you. And God will use those things not because he hates you, he dislikes you, he wants to kick you while you're down, but he will use those things to bring you back. How many of you God's brought back? Amen. We've all been there. And he's humbled us. And it hurts. And we wire the scars. We wire the scars and and for some, they go out to the graveside of a loved one and they wear that scar because they know that their disobedience is what's caused a lot of this hardship in their lives. And oh, how God can humble us. You don't want God to humble you, church. Mm, I, oh, I could go on and on. I, I think of the story... In the Bible where, where the Bible said that he'll set your fields on fire. Oh God, don't, don't be that kind of person. Don't make God get your attention. Because God can get your attention. But I want to look at this though. And boy, I tell you what, this is what blesses me is here's a father that no doubt is 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 like us and more than that he represents our heavenly father who who is standing in heaven right now, sitting there on his throne, but but I believe more than anything with outstretched arms, he's just saying, Please come home. Please come home. If there's someone today and your spirit has drifted away from God, some of the things maybe we've talked about this morning, though though seems like, you know, we just don't have the time to get out the things that we want to get out, but nevertheless, if the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that you might be that son that is making some bad choices, some bad decisions, you might be that son or daughter that, that you know is, is going the wrong way today and you understand that there's consequences to your bad choices. I want to tell you something. There is a father. I believe when, a, when an earthly father is right with God, I believe when his children are astray, his heart is broken. And he'll pray for those children. He'll pray every day for those children. And as happy as it would make an earthly father who's trying to live right for God, as happy as it would make him to see his children living for the Lord and doing the things that God's asked us to do, let me tell you, it makes our Heavenly Father even happier to see us on the right path, going the right direction, doing the right thing. And there's a lot in this story. Like I said, I'm nowhere close to even begin to scratch the surface. There's so many more things that I would have loved to have brought out. But I'm going to tell you this. This father was so happy to see his son, wasn't he? He was happy to see his son. 
I'm going to say this today. I'm not your father. This church is not your father, but spiritually we can be. And it would make us very happy today if you would make things right with God. It would make us very happy. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I almost feel like a spiritual father to people. And I guess that's what hurts me a lot of times when people just leave the church and, you know, and they don't say anything and you've invested time into people's lives and you've prayed for them, you've invested your time in prayer, you, you know, you, you've tried to love on people and then they just turn and go. Would that not hurt you? It hurts me. Would it not hurt God? It hurts God. But the great thing about God is that man... I don't know that you can do anything to where he would just turn his back and say, I don't want you. There might be some fathers that would do that. There might be some men that would reach a point to where they'd say, like that brother I was talking to yesterday, I don't want, I don't want to be in your life. You know, I don't, I, I just, I'm too busy. I don't want to be in, thank God he ain't that way. He wants to be a part of our lives. So the father, no doubt, waits patiently every day. The son, the S-O-N, comes down the road. The father sees him, and you know the story. He doesn't sit there at the house and just, you know, beat on the arm of the chair and say, boy, when he gets in here, I'm going to let him have it. No. No. He doesn't say, Ma, here comes our boy. Bring me the switch. I'm going to wire him out. No, no. He didn't holler at his brother and say, here he comes, let's make a joke out of him. No. The Bible says he gets up and he runs to meet him. Amen. Amen. That's my father. That's the one that loves me. That's the one that cares. And if you'd make a step toward him today, he'll meet you. He'll meet you. I like it where it said he fell on his neck and he kissed him. Means a lot, don't it? Means a lot. The Lord may be wanting to do that for somebody today. We're going to stand to our feet and get a song. Would that be you this morning? Randy Carroll, you come on, musicians. Would that be you this morning? Would You know, we've got a lot of wonderful fathers standing here in our congregation that I respect and admire. But you know, you could be a father even standing here today that's not right with God. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe you're standing here in the congregation and maybe this message that we're, you know, kind of pointing a lot toward the bad decisions of the son and trying to draw in this wonderful father. But maybe you're standing there as a dad and as a father today and in your heart you know that, man, I'm not being all I need to be for God. I'm, I'm not sold out to Him. I'm not committed to Him. I'm not really surrendered before God. I mean, I... 
I try to attend church and you know, I try to be a good dad to my kids. I try to be a good husband to my wife. You know, preacher, I mean, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I started out by telling you we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be truthful. If you're going to build a strong relationship, you need to start it out on being honest. Today, would you be honest and say, you know what? I'm that son. I'm that son that was backslid on God. I'm that son whose heart had turned away even though he was at home. That's me. And I don't want to live that life, preacher. I want to surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I want Him to have full authority and full control of my life of me being a father, of me being a husband. I want God to be number one in my family. And I want to make that commitment today.